three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 377. Welcome in. Today we are doing NFL predictions for the NFC North and the NFC South. Uh, Now, I know people worry about my sleep schedule. I am rested. I feel good. Uh, And I think think it's going to shock some people how much content is about to come out in the next, like, two days. I think people are going to go, oh my gosh, you did that, and then that, and then that, and then I think, I hope it doesn't overwhelm people. Uh, I decided to break up my predictions into not one, not two, but four different episodes. So, you know, today is NFC North and South. Tomorrow will be NFC East and West. Probably also the AFC North and South. And then on Saturday will be the NFC, whatever's left over, whatever two divisions I haven't just named. I don't know. It's not on paper right now. Um, Because I'm also going to cover the NFL game that's happening like in a couple minutes. And so uh, a lot like... What is that? Two episodes in the next two days, each of the next two days. It's going to be crazy. It'll be a lot. Uh, I tried to make it smaller and bite sized. I think people that listen to everything I put out are going to be slightly inconvenienced, but it'll be it'll be way, way easier for people to skip and pick and choose what they want. Um, Like if you only want to listen to your team's prediction, you can find the episode with your division and just listen to that and then get on with your life. Because I know I'm I'm pushing the NFL season and I want to make it accessible to as many people as I possibly can. Uh, and those of you who want to listen to everything, you're welcome to. But for those of you who don't, it's easier for those people. And uh, that is my thought process here. I think people do not realize I have a massive, massive process. I think I should do an, enti- an like entire topic dedicated to what my process is for NFL predictions. People think I just pick numbers and look at a roster. Excuse me. No. No, I do not do that. Uh, I have a massive notebook, 200 pages, literally, and breaking down every roster in the NFL, 32 teams. Each team gets about six pages. Some teams went more than six pages of preparation. Who'd they trade? Who'd they bring in? Were the moves good or bad? Who are their coaches? This and that. Like, this is my Bible. And then I have a, I'm not going to, I'll pull it out right here for you. This is a, like, <laughs> a massive amount of paper. There are 272 games in the NFL regular season this year because they added an extra week. And so when you look around the NFL, there are only 272 wins to go around. It drives me absolutely nuts when you look at predictions and people have, oh, like every team in the NFL is going to go 12 and 5. Hey, that's not possible. You can't do that because if every team goes 12 and 5, uh, you have too many teams winning, too many games. So clearly people, I go through and count every single game. I pick a winner, and then I go back and I double-check everything, and then I triple-check everything. I'm like, are you sure? And I got this whole process. It's a lot of work. It is so much work. It's days and days of work. But it makes me pretty accurate. It makes me feel very good. And I, I want you to know that because I put a lot of prep and a lot of thought into everything I'm about to say. And uh, if you see people that have, you know, like, for example, if, if there are only 272 wins to go around, Unfortunately, some teams are going to have to lose then and lose a lot. Like if the Buccaneers are going to go 14 and three, they got to beat a lot of teams, which means a lot of teams are going to lose a lot of games. And I just that's where I want to start today, because I think I I, want to apologize in advance, but not really to like the Lions fans, Falcons fans, Bears fans. Hey, there's a lot of good football teams this year. They're going to win a lot of games. And if your team isn't good, you're going to lose. And every year I make predictions, and every year I'm usually right about the bad teams. 
And I get, you know, oh, I can't believe blah, blah, blah. Like the Falcons last year. I told you the Falcons were going to be bad. People got incredibly angry as expected. I get it. You're emotionally invested in your team. But I was right. So anyway, that's, I want to set the tone there. I even cussed for you. You're welcome. Uh, I'm going to probably bleep it out. But that, that's the tone I want to start with, which is it's a lot of work. I'm very well prepared. I've put a lot of thought into this. And I stand by everything I'm about to say. Let's start in the NFC North. I believe the Green Bay Packers will go 12-5 and this year. They're going to win their division. They will be first in the NFC North. Uh, they will be the number two seed in the playoffs in the NFC. I'm very, very confident in the Packers this year. Now, I want to start by talking about their quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. It's been a long offseason, a lot of drama. Uh, I was a part of it, like a lot of... And I don't mean I was a part of it. I mean, I, I, I covered stuff, and there was speculation. And the more I listened and did research, the more I went... Man, I, I think it's two people that don't like each other, but that's not the end of the world. I, I don't think Aaron Rodgers likes the Packers GM, and I don't think the Packers GM likes Aaron Rodgers. Oh, well, right? Like, hey, the Packers GM doesn't play football for the Packers. Like, they got to work the other a tiny bit. But I think Aaron's in a tough situation. He's handled it very well. He can't leave. And if he wants to play football this year, it's going to be in Green Bay. And so his attitude has really, really impressed me. Aaron has seem to find a way to make the most of everything he has this year. It's like, hey, it's my last opportunity, probably to pay, play for the Packers. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to have fun every little way I can. Uh, and he's making the best of it. And I think that's very admirable. That's impressive. And I, I look at Aaron and I'm like, hey, if they do well this year, overcoming the crazy offseason it's been, I'm not going to be surprised, but I will be impressed. And the credit in my mind goes to Aaron Rodgers, who has done, I think, a lot of work to not say mean, defaming stuff and go out of his way to trash his organization. Um, he said what he wants, but he hasn't said it in a negative way. And I, 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 I very, very notably changed my tune on Aaron Rodgers because I got convinced. I realized, like, look, he's just – I think he's handling it in a good way. So I want to get that out of the way. This could be Aaron's final year in Green Bay. Maybe pro – in fact, probably not his final year in the NFL. Uh, but I, I, I just think – you know, uh, there are two people who are no longer part of the Green Bay Packers. It makes me think of next. Uh, one of them is all-pro center Corey Lindsley. So the Packers lost their center. It's a tough loss. He's replaced by Josh Myers, a rookie. And the Packers actually have two rookies on their offensive line, Josh Myers at center and right guard Royce Newman. That's a little bit discouraging early on. Like uh, week seven, they play the Washington football team, a fantastic defensive line. And so if you're a Packers fan, you are praying by all praying so hard the way that good people in the Midwest do that all pro left tackle David Bakhtiari is going to be back for that game. Because right now he's on the pup list, which is the physically unable to perform list. He's injured. He's trying to recover. Because of the pup list, the way it works out at least the first six weeks, he might come back week seven. If you're a Packer fan, pray for that. That might be great. But right now, Green Bay had to move guard El Elgton, a weird name. E-L-G ton. Elgton Jenkins, a hard name to say. He's playing left tackle temporarily. Uh, and he'll be okay. But if you're a Packer fan, you're just praying that you get David Bakhtiari, your left tackle, back an all-pro in time before you play Washington. Now, another person who is gone from Green Bay, not Aaron Rodgers yet, but Mike Pettin, the defensive coordinator. The Packers fired Mike Pettin uh, after last year. They brought in a new defensive coordinator, Joe Perry. And I, I don't know that this is going to be an upgrade yet. I, I, I have an open mind. 
It probably is. I don't think you make that move for no reason. There must have been something behind the scenes. But I look at what the Packers did last year in the NFC title game. They picked off Tom Brady three times. And if you ask me, that's a really good defensive performance. But uh, I, I will say the Packers have gone to the NFC title game two years in a row. And they had to make some kind of change. It's not going to be the head coach. It's not going to be the quarterback. I guess we blame Mike Pettin and move on. Uh, and Because it, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. And the Packers realized we got to make some kind of change in order to try to get over the hump. Uh, I don't know that Mike Pettin is, uh, being fired was the right move, but we'll find out. And I have an open mind, and I'm curious to see how Joe Perry, the new defensive coordinator, does. This Packers team is really good. They are not as good as the Cleveland Browns or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but I think they make up for it with a even better quarterback. Like, sorry, but Aaron Rodgers is better than Baker Mayfield and Tom Brady. He's more talented. He's more capable. Uh, and I look at the Packers, man. They have arguably the best receiver in football, Devontae Adams. They have Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Alan Lazard, and a rookie Amari Rodgers at receiver. They also, by the way, brought in receiver Randall Cobb. Now, remember, the Packers GM, Brian Gutekunst, made a point to say, hey, I did not want this guy. Aaron Rodgers wanted this guy. So I, I, I say that now to remind you that if Randall Cobb has a great year and impacts either the locker room, because he may not have a great year statistically, but he might have a good year where he's impacting the locker room, helping the culture of the team. So if Randall Cobb has a good impact this year on the Packers, remember, the GM told us, hey, don't credit him. Give the credit to Aaron Rodgers. So I'm keeping track. That'll be fun and interesting. Uh, at Packers, uh, they have, so what am I saying? At tight end, the Packers have Robert Tanyan, who's really good, had a breakout year last year. Uh, uh, they gave running back Aaron Jones a new contract. They have second-year running back A.J. Dillon. He is built like a house. He is prepared to have a good year. On defense, the Packers have one of the best corners in the entire NFL, Jair, Jair Alexander. They have... Uh, two safeties I like. Adrian Amos is really good. Uh, and then Darnell Savage is in going into his third year right now. He had a good year last year. Like towards the end of the year, he got better and better and better. So Darnell Savage is awesome. Adrian Amos is awesome. Jair Alexander is phenomenal. Uh, now, one of the weaknesses in Green Bay right now is the second corner spot. I don't know who it's going to be. Right now, it's Kevin King, who's often injured and plays very, very inconsistently. Uh, the hope is that the guy they drafted in the first round, Eric Stokes from Georgia, I believe from Georgia, I might be, cons can, I think, I think Georgia, I know AJ Terrell, I, I don't know, I'm getting them all confused. I, I've done so many predictions. Anyway, they drafted Eric Stokes in the first round, and the hope is that as the year goes on, he will emerge into the starting number two corner. Uh, so far, he's not the starter, but we'll see as the year goes on. That is probably the weakness of their team is that they have a couple rookies on the offensive line. They have a bit of an unknown at the number two corner spot, which it's, that's very little, but that's enough to say, well, hey, they're not quite as good as Cleveland, who is really deep and really, really good, or Tampa, who literally does not have a hole on their entire roster. But again, you're assuming Aaron Rodgers can make up for it with his immense talent. Remember, he's an NFL MVP, won last year. Now, edge rushers Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith need to bounce back. They had a down year last year. Uh, I do also wonder if 2019 first-round pick Rashawn Gary is going to get in the mix and make an impact this fall. Currently, and technically, he is behind Preston Smith on the depth chart. Keep your eye on that. Will a former first-round pick pan out Rashawn Gary and have an impact this year getting after opposing quarterbacks? Now, look, on paper, this team is really, really good. Again, uh, 
rookies on the offensive line, number two corner, minimal concerns. But again, like I, I just said it a minute ago, you're thinking that, hey, our veteran MVP quarterback, Hall of Fame quarterback is going to get us over the hump and help us win enough games to get past the Tampa Bay or beat a Cleveland in the Super Bowl, beat a Buffalo, something like that. Now, you also have to wonder, can they get pressure on opposing quarterbacks? We'll find out. Those are kind of the weaknesses and the question marks of this team. There's not very many. This is a really complete, really good football team. Um, the question is, again, can their NFL Hall of Fame MVP quarterback Aaron Rodgers get them over the hump and beat a really good roster? Or will this just be another year? So many years in a row where the Packers have had a really good deep playoff run and fell just short. Is this a year where they get over the hump? Or, or is this going to be another NFC title appearance and a loss. We will find out. Uh, but I think it's very possible the Packers win a Super Bowl this year. They are contenders. The question is, can they get over the hump? And also, can they avoid injuries? Okay. Uh, man, let's talk about Minnesota. This is going to be a rough one. I go through my process. Uh, and it's a process that I trust. And what I got for the Minnesota Vikings was them going... Nine and eight. And to me, that feels low based on what I know about their team. They brought in a lot of people, people I like. And I, I, like I said, I went through my process. I'm like, I, I got to trust what I'm seeing, even though I feel weird about it. So um, it, it does, in my opinion, nine and eight gets them into the playoffs. So they will be the number six seed in the NFC, a wild card team. But I want to clarify, um, I, I am predicting the Vikings will go nine and eight and make the playoffs. I'm not saying they'll have a horrible year. Uh, at least one of those is bound to hit, but I, I'm not, I'm not really excited about the Vikings this year. I think they have some limitations. We will talk about that. Now, first of all, the Vikings added a bunch of really good players this year. Uh, they added veteran corner, Patrick Peterson. They added defensive tackle, Sheldon Richardson, D and Everson Griffin. He's back after a year away in Detroit. He came back home to, you know, school Vikings. We got Everson Griffin back. Uh, they also traded for tight end Chris Herndon uh, and center Mason Cole. Mason Cole is not a starter, but he gives them more depth on the offensive line. I would think that will help their football team. You can never hurt having more depth on the offensive line. Uh, now, Daniil Hunter never left, but he did not play really last year due to injury. So he's back. He's a defensive end. He's phenomenal. I'm really excited for Vikings fans are getting Daniil Hunter back. Now, the Vikings did let three starters go. A little bit more than that, but we'll get into the fourth one in a moment. Uh, first of all, they let Riley Reef go. He's in uh, Cincinnati. They let Anthony Harris go, a safety. They let tight end Kyle Rudolph go. He's now with the New York Giants. Uh, and parting ways with those guys, you know, Riley Reef, Anthony Harris, Kyle Rudolph, probably all the right moves for your football team. You don't want to pay, like, you don't want to pay, overpay Kyle Rudolph to not have a good year. Although, tight end Irv Smith Jr. got hurt. He's likely out for the year. Uh, that was a tough blow. I wonder if it made people pause and go, ah, maybe we should have kept Kyle Rudolph, but they did trade for Chris Herndon. That explains that move. So I'm like, ah, well, it's a wash in the end. One big weakness on this team is depth in the secondary. If anybody gets hurt, Minnesota's pass defense will suffer. They cut former first-round pick Jeff Gladney in August after he got in trouble. That was a big loss. I'm, I'm not going to pretend it wasn't. It's a big deal. Now, on offense, I love, I love, love love their running back, Dalvin Cook. Like, chef's kiss, he's phenomenal. He's one of the best in the NFL. He can run the ball well. He can catch passes. He's a great blocker. It is rare to see a running back who's like an elite, phenomenal pass blocker. They have that in Dalvin Cook. He's a stud. 
Minnesota has two star receivers, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Now, the offensive line, it's weird. It's a weakness, but I feel good about it because Minnesota is trying. They are really trying to build their offensive line. I got to give them credit for that. Center Garrett Bradbury was a first-round pick in 2019. Their left guard, Ezra Cleveland, was a second-round pick in 2020. They also just drafted Christian Derrissaw to be their new left tackle. Now, currently, Rashad Hill is their starting left tackle because Christian Derrissaw is recovering from an injury. But the Vikings' offensive line, I don't think they're quite where they need to be yet, but they are making progress. And I think in a year or two, man, when those young guys develop, their, their early picks in the NFL drafts the last couple of years, when they develop— it could no longer be a question mark for their offensive line. It could eventually be a strength, kind of like where you look at, like New Orleans has a great offensive line. I think eventually you could see Minnesota competing with a team like that where you're like, oh, wow, their offensive line is really, really good. I think the way that the Vikings invested in young players on their offensive line, very, very good. It doesn't happen enough in the NFL. I love the thought process behind what the Vikings are doing. Now, before we talk about the Vikings quarterback, this will be... Oh, Kirk Cousins is going to be the one that I think will be... It'll be interesting. I, I want to talk about the defense first before we do anything else. Uh, I have really, really high hopes for this Vikings defense. They have depth. They have veterans. They have some really good players. Daniel Hunter, defensive end. Linebackers, Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks. Safety, Harrison Smith is on a new contract. They got two veteran corners, Rashad Breeland, Patrick Peterson. Just cross your fingers. Just pray that nobody gets hurt in their secondary. That would affect them greatly. Uh, against Aaron Rodgers, like they cannot afford to have guys like Rashad Breeland or Patrick Peterson get hurt. Uh, now, say what you want about Mike Zimmer. A lot of people say that Mike Zimmer might be on the hot seat. Uh, and, and say whatever. Like I, I hear the noise. I hear. It, I get it. I'm not so sure we should blame him. I'll talk about that in a moment. But the one thing you cannot deny about Mike Zimmer, he is a fantastic defensive coach. Like if I was a quarterback in the NFL, one of the few guys I wouldn't want to face Bill Belichick. And I would not want to play against Mike Zimmer's teams. His blitzes are ridiculous. The fact that he has veterans gives him even more power. Like having veterans is such a good thing for Mike Zimmer, who he needs guys who are smart, who can learn their scheme and do a lot of stuff. Uh, I, I have the Vikings defense looks really, really good. I have very, very high hopes for them. Uh, and I really, really respect their head coach, Mike Zimmer. Now, here is the key to the Vikings season. Their quarterback, Kirk Cousins, needs to step the fuck up. And I like him. Seems like a nice dude. I remember rooting for Kirk Cousins at Michigan State. Uh, then in Washington, I was very happy when Kirk got paid, got a big contract, got to go to Minnesota. Finally, a team that believes in him. And the Vikings did believe in him. And I believed in him. And then I waited. And I waited. And I waited. And enough is enough. This year, Kirk has a lot of help. Great running back, star receivers, young offensive line, a great defense. It's time to deliver. Like, I am out of patience. And there's a couple games this year where Kirk Cousins is going to need to play great if they're going to win. Like, week four against Cleveland. Both Packers games. They play the Chargers week 10. At San Francisco week 12. Against Pittsburgh week 14. The Rams week 16. And... I only have, of those really tough games I listed, I listed six of them. I only have the Minnesota Vikings winning one of those six games. And that's going to make or break their season. And I, I frankly do not believe in Kirk Cousins to play well enough to win those football games against really good teams. And he can prove me wrong. I, I have an open mind. In fact, I like Kirk. Like, believe it or not, I think he's awesome. I, I, he seems like a good person. I've rooted for him for a long time. 
but I can put my fandom of him as a as a person aside and say, look, dude, you got to play better. And so I'm waiting for him to step up. I hope he seizes the moment. I hope he's incredible. But I don't have confidence that he's going to prove me wrong based on the record I came up with for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I ran down their season, and those tough games, I don't have them winning. Now, the biggest game of the year by far for this Minnesota Vikings franchise is Week 17 at Green Bay. January 2nd, in the cold, on the road at Lambeau Stadium. And that game is going to determine a lot of things for not only the Vikings' playoff fate, but what moves are made next offseason. Do you get rid of the coach, Mike Zimmer? Or, or maybe that game makes it very clear, hey, Mike Zimmer isn't the problem here. Maybe we'll see, hey, the person who isn't making plays when it needs to happen most might be their quarterback, Kirk Cousins. So does the blame go to Kirk? Does the blame go to the quarterback? Maybe both. Maybe neither. I don't know. Maybe they win the game, right? It's very possible. But what I do know is that I have the Vikings going 9-8 and eight and barely making it into the playoffs because their team, like, they got a decent roster. I think they're well coached. And if Kirk Cousins is great this year, they could be even better. But week 17 at the Green Bay Packers on the road, January 2nd, that is the key game that will tell us a lot about the Minnesota Vikings. Woo. All right, uh, let's shift gears to Chicago. I believe the Chicago Bears will go 4-13 and 13 this year. I am expecting an ugly year. In fact, uh, I have Chicago starting the year 0-9. And, and uh, then during their bye week, week 10, they change quarterbacks. Week 11, they start Justin Fields. He's there. He will become their new starting quarterback. And Chicago, in my opinion, is going to finish the year 4-4 four and four and have some promise where people go, huh. And I think people are going to think twice about firing Matt Nagy by the end of the year, if he can survive that long. Maybe not. He might, but I think winning four of their last eight games might be enough for Matt Nagy to keep his job if people agree with what I'm about to say next. Now, there are some winnable games early on in the year. Uh, the Bengals, the Lions, the Raiders. But the Bears roster, in my opinion, has way too many problems and weaknesses for them to win even these games. I like, hey, who is a better quarterback? The Bengals or the Bears? Well, if it's Andy Dalton, I think the Bengals have a better quarterback. And who has a better quarterback, the Raiders or Chicago? I think the Raiders do, and the Raiders have an explosive offense. Uh, and uh, the Lions, I don't love, but I, I ended up picking the Lions. I said, man, I think Chicago's going to start 0-9, which is brutal. But in my opinion, after this year, or maybe even during the year, Bears general manager Ryan Pace is going to lose his job. And the NFL is all about collecting talented players through drafting, through making trades, through free agency. And Ryan Pace has been inconsistent and, in fact, maybe even terrible at all three of those things that a general manager needs to do. In fact, one of the only good things Ryan Pace did, uh, you, like maybe the Khalil Mack trade was great. Maybe he overpaid. That's, that's a d debate for another day. But one of the best things I think he did is on his way out, hopefully, hopefully on his way out, he gave Chicago their franchise quarterback, Justin Fields. I believe in Justin. And I also think that Justin Fields paired with Matt Nagy, who is a creative play caller and better than people think. I think Matt Nagy plus Justin Fields is a good match. But you got to give Justin Fields time to develop. They're going to start 0-9. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be really bad. And I, in fact, I think a lot of people are going to 
be tempted to play Justin Fields because of how bad the Bears offensive line is. Don't do it. I'll get to why in a moment, but I think if you let Justin Fields develop, give him time, then we could see magic happen in Chicago. He could be the best quarterback you've had in a long time. But what you don't want to do is put Justin Fields on the field. You know, it's kind of a pun there. Not really, but it's interesting. His last name is Fields, Justin Soldier Fields. Anyway, uh, what you don't want to do is put Justin out there before he's ready. Now, I have defended the Bears head coach, Matt Nagy, for years. And I blamed all of the Bears' problems on their former starting quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky. And I even did a topic. I'm like, hey, is Matt Nagy on the hot seat? I think he is. Right? I think his job is in danger and at risk. But then I realized, hey, you know, Matt Nagy didn't pick Mitchell Trubisky. Like, Matt Nagy got hired as a Bears head coach, and Mitchell Trubisky was already there. Who's the person who drafted Mitchell Trubisky? Who's the person who not only drafted Mitchell Trubisky, but traded up in the draft to go get him? Ryan Pace made that happen. Ryan Pace is the person to blame. And then I look at this Bears roster. Their team is a mess. Oh my gosh. Suddenly, when I, when I, I stopped drinking the Kool-Aid, I'm like, okay, what's happening here? And it's like, I've never seen the Matrix, but I know there's a moment in the Matrix where, I, just from ref, in, in, inferencing and hearing, where like the character, main character's eyes just open up and they're like, oh, whoa, a whole new world. I had a whole new experience when I realized, oh my gosh, I look at this Bears team, there's problems everywhere. The person who's the problem is the person who built this roster. And that's Ryan Pace. And he must be clearly terrible at evaluating talent. The only things he could do is say, hey, clearly Khalil Mack is really good. And I think he listens to the media. In fact, they drafted Tevin Jenkins, who already got hurt out for the year. I'm like, did he see Brett Coleman's video and say, I'm drafting that guy? Like, I don't know. I, I, I certainly would not trust Ryan Pace. And I think it's very possible that he's literally listening to the media to figure out who to draft. I think that happens more than people realize. This offensive line in Chicago is not good. It is not good. In fact, they have a better chance to win with Justin Fields. I hope they don't put him out there early on. But because Justin Fields can run around and escape pressure, in fact, he might be the better answer at quarterback than Andy Dalton almost immediately because at least he can run around and keep some plays alive. Where Andy Dalton's going to get sacked, I think, over and over and over again. And I fear they're not going to barely be able to move the ball. Now, the Bears starting right tackle, Justin, sorry, Jason Peters. I want to get that right. The Bears starting left tackle, Jason Peters, is 39 years old. He's aging. He's not what he needs to be. And in my opinion, the entire Bears offensive line needs to be rebuilt. In fact, the only person I would keep is guard Cody Whitehair. Keep him, replace all four other guys, get a whole new offensive line. At corner, the Bears are very inexperienced. They have second-year starters, Jalen Johnson and Kendall Vinder, who Kendall Vinder sounds like a fake name. I was like, that's, that's really, that's, that's really his name. I had to share that. I just, I really like, well, my gosh, that's really his name. Uh, no offense to him. I just like Kendall Vinder is a hard name to say. It's kind of weird. Uh, neither guy, Kendall Vinder or Jalen Johnson has an interception in their entire NFL career. Uh, and there, look, there's just, there's weakness after weakness after weakness on the Bears roster, and, and I'm tired of blaming the wrong people. I'm like, okay, what's the real problem here? It's Ryan Pace. Now, there is some interesting talent. A broken clock is right twice a day. Uh, receivers Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney are awesome. I think Darnell Mooney's a speed demon. Allen Robinson is a class of his own. He's a really, really fantastic pro, great NFL receiver. David Montgomery is a good running back. Uh, Cole Komet is a stud young tight end. I don't know if Tariq Cohen, the former running back, is ever going to come back. He got hurt. Sounds like he had to have another surgery. The way Ryan Pace answered a question made it seem like, yeah, he, he in fact, he did. 
if Tariq Cohen can ever get healthy and back to what he was before, I think Tariq Cohen has some talent, was an explosive running back. Uh, linebackers, Roquan Smith, and this is an understatement. Khalil Mack is not only really, really good. He's like Hall of Fame level good. Like Khalil Mack's incredible. So, uh, look, every team has a few good players, though. Having a couple good players doesn't make you a good football team. And veteran quarterback Andy Dalton is just not going to be able to win with a bad offensive line. I, I have no confidence in that. I think the guy's going to run for his life. And then I look at week six, seven, eight, and nine. It's a gauntlet. You have the Packers week six, then at Tampa, then the 49ers, then at Pittsburgh. They just signed TJ Watt. Pittsburgh is going to demolish whoever the Bears quarterback is. And this is why I'm hoping it's not Justin Fields. Like, do not throw Justin Fields to the Wolves for week six, seven, eight, and nine. Protect the guy. Keep him on the bench. You have your bye week, week 10. Then put Justin Fields in. But a lot of people are talking about our strategy with Justin Fields. Wait till he's ready. No, no. Not only wait till he's ready. Wait till he's playing teams that won't, like, kill him. Please protect the guy. Uh, So I I look at the Bears, man. They are a mess. And their general manager, Ryan Pace, is to blame. I really, really strongly believe in Justin Fields. I think he's a fantastic young quarterback. If he's given time to develop and given good coaching, which I actually, believe it or not, I actually think Matt Nagy could be the right coach for him. He's very creative, can get good play design. He did it with Mitchell Trubisky. He just had the wrong quarterback. No matter what he did, Matt Nagy was never going to win because Mitchell Trubisky could not make plays, had people wide open, uh, wouldn't pull the trigger on throws downfield. Like, it, it just drove me nuts more than anything. Justin Fields is not that guy. He's a playmaker. And Justin Fields plus Matt Nagy is a good mix. Remember, Matt Nagy did not build this team. When you see the Bears losing game after game after game this year, the person you blame is Ryan Pace, the general manager. The Bears are going to go 4-13. and 13. They're going to finish strong. They're going to win four of their final eight games. And uh, my thought is, hey, Justin Fields is going to look good in the final eight games. And people are going to go, huh, there's a future here. We like Justin Fields. Uh, maybe or maybe not Matt Nagy, the head coach, is going to keep his job. But certainly I, I am, man, it's brutal to want someone to get fired. Uh, although I think if there's anyone I've decided who is most detrimental to their football team, in the NFL, it is the Bears general manager, Ryan Pace. Okay, let's shift gears to Detroit. By the way, was that a hit piece? I, don't, I hope it's not. I hope that's not received as – I don't want to be ever the person who's, like, calling for people's jobs, trying to do a hit piece. That's not what's in my heart, but I, I look at this te- that Bears team and I go, uh, guys, <laughs> it ain't the coach's fault. Uh, it's the way the team is built and the people they provided – for hit the coach to work with. Anyway, I believe the Detroit Lions will go 3-14. and 14, And I, I got to say, I feel bad saying that because I actually like the Lions coaching staff. And I actually think the way this team is rebuilding, they are rebuilding, and the direction they are headed in in Detroit is good. I, there's some good young players. I think the coaching staff is phenomenal. And the offensive line is solid. The, the you know, Detroit has a way better offensive line than the Chicago Bears. They have left tackle Taylor Decker, center Frank Ragnow. Uh, at right tackle, they have rookie Panay Sewell. He was drafted number seven overall. He looked rusty in the preseason. I'm not going to pretend he looks like a Hall of Fame right tackle. He doesn't. He looked kind of bad, actually, in the preseason. But remember, he didn't play at all in 2020. He opted out due to COVID. I have patience for Panay Sewell. Let the guy develop. Let's see where he's at midseason. I'm not ready to call the guy a bust yet at all. Now, the Lions' new head coach, Matt Campbell, seems awesome. I am not sure that Matt Campbell is a—sorry, Matt Campbell. <laughs> Matt Campbell's Iowa State head coach. Dan Campbell. Jesus. Excuse me. I am sorry. 
Dan Campbell seems awesome. I love the guy. Uh, watch his interviews. Watch everything. I know he had an interview. And I, I, I'm trying not to mention this every time I talk about Dan Campbell. But Dan Campbell gets a lot of flack because of his first impression. He had his first ever interview in the NFL. Talked about biting off kneecaps or something. And people crucified him for that. I'm like, guys, come on. The, the worst offense that Dan Campbell did was get too passionate about football. And I'm like, don't you kind of want that? Like, maybe, maybe the Lions need that, frankly, in Chicago. So I love the passion for the game that Dan Campbell had. I apologize for calling him Matt Campbell. Can't believe I did that. It's actually, it's written in my notes, Matt Campbell. So it's, is it my fault? I wrote that, but I'm like, ah, dang it. Anyway, I can't believe I caught it. I caught that, which is very, it tells you I'm getting enough sleep because my brain is active. Anyway, uh, Dan Campbell cares. Listen to the new talk. Listen to his passion for the game. I love that. You can tell the dude wants to win. He cares about the integrity of football and doing things the right way. That, that dog will hunt. I really, really like Dan Campbell. I also like the new offensive coordinator, former Chargers head coach, Anthony Lynn. Uh, the Lions have two solid running backs. They have DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. They also have this very, very cool story. I'm going to butcher his name. I apologize in advance. Godwin Igwebuke. Godwin Igwebuke played safety at Northwestern in college. Uh, the Lions actually moved him to running back, and he made the roster. Even had a couple touchdowns in the preseason. I'm like, Jesus, Godwin Igwebuke, right? I think I probably terribly butchered his name. I apologize. But that's a cool story to go from safety to running back in the NFL and make it. Oh, my gosh. I love that. I'm rooting for that guy endlessly. Um, now, another move the Lions made was they signed receiver Tyrell Williams. He was cut uh, by the Raiders. Now, they are hoping that Ty Tyrell Williams is going to be great for the Detroit Lions. They needed a number one receiver. Uh, I think it's possible the Raiders cut him because they were overpaying him, not necessarily because he's a bad receiver that's not going to do anything for them. So I, I, there's hope there. They have rookie receiver Amon Ross St. Brown, who is a stud. Played at USC, phenomenal. That's a great weapon for them. Like He's an underrated rookie receiver. He's going to do very, very well. They have star tight end. TJ Hawkinson, I am sweating bullets. I mean, I'm trying not to. TJ Hawkinson made his first ever Pro Bowl. Uh, he's now entering year three of his NFL career. On defense, the Lions added defensive end Michael Brockers from the LA Rams. Uh, and now their secondary as a whole is not great in Detroit. Uh, they are likely to get shredded by Aaron Rodgers. Now, I know that's not new for Detroit Lions fans, but I'm just letting you know now that's what's probably going to happen. Uh, corner Jeff Okuda was drafted number three overall in uh, 2020 and he had a horrible rookie year like it was brutal it was really really terrible and uh, frankly like Jeff Okuda is in danger of becoming a bust if he doesn't you know play better and pick it up now I'm also curious to see how linebackers Jamie Collins and Trey Flowers does uh, they've done some good stuff early on in their NFL career I don't know if they're gonna be great yet uh, but look I, I, Detroit is a team I feel like weirdly surprisingly optimistic about I have them going 3-14. and 14. Uh, Now, this is where I could be wrong. And I, it's important to say this. I want to be, be very, very clear and be honest about what's going on. Um, I simply have zero confidence in the Detroit Lions quarterback, Jared Goff. They traded for him from the L.A. Rams. Um, it, look, the, the, the Rams, his former team, wanted to get rid of him so badly. They paired him in a trade with not one, but two first-round picks. That is how badly... The Rams wanted to get rid of him. If it works out, by the way, it's a great trade because maybe the Rams got a steal. They got a franchise quarterback and two first-round picks in the same trade. But again, if, if Jared Goff was good, then the Rams would not have gotten rid of him. And it's not like they have a bad coach. Sean McVay did everything he could in L.A. with Jared Goff. He did not 
pick Jared Goff. He inherited Jared Goff from Jeff Fisher, the former head coach. Uh, I don't blame Sean McVay there. Clearly, if Sean McVay couldn't make it work, then I don't think anybody can. So I, I frankly do not see how Jared Goff goes from L.A., a better football team, to a worse team in Detroit and somehow gets better. I, I, I just don't buy that that's going to happen. So I, I have no confidence in Jared Goff and his ability to win games in Detroit. I don't believe in the guy. Now, here's the good news. The Lions are going to go, in my opinion, 3-14. and 14. Uh, They also have a bunch of first-round picks. So whether they trade up to or higher in the draft or pick somebody with the picks they have, it's going to be very doable and very easy for Detroit to replace Jared Goff. You get a year. If he works, great. You get a, you get a really cheap first-round uh, sorry, you get a really cheap quarterback, Jared Goff. If Jared Goff pans out, if he fails, no problem. You can very easily replace him with the picks you got and the picks you already have. Um, so I think no matter what, the trade was a really, really good move for Detroit to trade for Jared Goff. You sacrifice probably a year of your rebuild with potentially a bad quarterback, but it's worth it if it pays off, and either way you win. So um, I just think that the Lions are headed in a good direction. I, I, I do not believe that um, – I, I think the Lions are going to have to get a new quarterback. They're going to go 3-14 and 14. Uh, week seven is going to be fun, by the way. Week seven, the Lions play in L.A. against the L.A. Rams, Jared Goff's former team. Frankly, I think the Rams are going to embarrass Detroit and embarrass Jared Goff. Uh, should be interesting, though. Keep your eye on that game. When I, I do every week, I do like my the biggest storylines of the week. Week seven, that will be one of the biggest storylines. Uh, but Lions, man, the rebuild's going actually pretty well, despite the fact that I think they have the wrong quarterback. I, I don't hold that against them. I think Jared Goff is going to fail. They'll go 3-14. and 14. But in the end, it's either way. Like No matter what happens to Detroit this year, they're going to get a quarterback, whether it's Jared Goff or they're terrible and get to draft a new quarterback. The only thing the Lions don't want to do is be like 8-9. and nine. Like, just okay. And Actually, actually I don't, let me take that back because here's the thing. They get a bunch of first-round picks. They can just trade their first-round picks to move up in the draft and go get a quarterback. So no matter what happens, the Lions are going to get a quarterback after this year, whether it's Jared Goff or someone else. And... I feel shockingly good about the Lions rebuild, even though I have them going 3-14. and 14. Okay, guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we will do the NFC South. That is Tampa Bay, the New Orleans Saints, Carolina, and Atlanta. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Uh, I have full disclosure here. I'm having kind of a little bit of fun. I recorded about Tampa Bay. I, I made sure to prioritize my prediction for the Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys so they would come out first. Uh, I, I went through, picked every game, did all the preparation. Then I'm like, what can I get done literally right before the game starts? I already recorded those two. So I recorded in a different shirt for my Buccaneers um, <laughs> for my Buccaneers topic. And audio people won't even ever hear this, but if you're watching on YouTube, it's going to have a cut. And then I'm in a different blue shirt. I did my best I could. I actually was, I was going to wear that shirt. I'm like, oh, good. I'll, I'll record it. I'll hide the cut. No one will ever know I recorded on a different day at a different time. Unfortunately, uh, I spilled I, what I believe is soy sauce uh, from sushi on the shirt. I was stupid. I didn't take it off before I ate dinner. And uh, I got the shirt all stained. I'm like, I can't wear that on the show. It'll look terrible. So uh, I'm letting you know now. I'm going to make a cut. We will talk about the Buccaneers right now. I believe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will go 14-3 and this fall. Now, we have to be honest. Uh, the Buccaneers are one of the best, if not the very best team in the entire NFL. They just won a Super Bowl, and I think their team has gotten even better. They bring back all 22 of their starters. 
Uh, and then they even added a guy or two who can give them more depth and make an impact on the roster. For example, they drafted uh, a pass rusher, Joe Tryon Shroenka, uh, from Washington in the first round. He's a guy who makes a what's already a really good defensive line even better. They didn't need Joe Tryon Shroenka, but man, he adds a really, really good dynamic to their defensive line. Uh, they brought in Giovanni Bernard, who is a former star for the Cincinnati Bengals at running back, who kind of entering the end of his career, but comes in and joins their running back crew and gives him even more depth, something they didn't even need. Now, headlining their fantastic roster is a guy everyone is really, really familiar with, their quarterback, Tom Brady. He is 44 years old, uh, but Tom Brady is not showing any signs of aging or slowing down. And then let's be honest, because if Tom Brady does, for example, this year, start to decline a little bit, well, the Buccaneers are giving him a ton of help. They're spending more money than any other team in the NFL on their wide receivers. They have a receiver, Mike Evans, a guy who's a jump ball machine, who made, frankly, helped Johnny Manziel become the star he was at Texas A&M and win a Heisman Trophy. They have Chris Godwin, who's playing on the franchise tag. They have Antonio Brown, a receiver who's crazy talented. Now, a bit of a crazy man. And I want to give props to Tom Brady because I don't know that any other quarterback in the NFL could manage Antonio Brown's personality and make it work the way that Tom Brady has. Plus, the Buccaneers have a really good receiver, Scotty Miller, who's an underrated target. Uh, on top of that, they've got three good tight ends. They have Rob Gronkowski, Cameron Brait, and O.J. Howard at running back, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones. And then I mentioned him earlier, Giovanni Bernard, to give them more depth in the running back position, uh, at the running back position. Now, Tampa Bay's offensive line will likely be even better this year than it was last year. Uh, they're bringing back all five guys from last year, but Tristan Wirfs, their right tackle, was a rookie last year. And I think it is safe to assume that he'll be even better after a year in the NFL, gaining experience and learning a lot about the league. So I think the offensive line is going to be even better. Uh, they're loaded on defense as well. Their front seven is crazy. They have Ndamuk and Sue, Vita Vea, William Golston, Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul, Levante David, Devin White. Like, it's crazy the amount of talent they have on their front seven on defense. Uh, this is a group of guys who is dominant at getting after quarterbacks. They're really good at stopping the run. And then in the secondary for Tampa, you have uh, two corners, Carlton Davis and Sean Murphy Bunting. Really good corners. You have two safeties, Antoine Winfield Jr. and Jordan Whitehead. Now, Jordan Whitehead is not active for week one. He's still recovering from a hamstring injury, but he's coming back from the Super Bowl run as well. Now, and then again, more depth. Yeah, again, I mentioned Joe Troyan uh, Shoyinka. Hard name to say, but he's a great, fantastic pass rusher, getting after the quarterback. Crazy talented. Like most teams would not have him as a backup. He'd be a starter on their team. And then you have Jamel Dean, a guy who's going to make a really good impact as the number three corner for Tampa. Now, here's something I think adds even more insult to injury. When you talk about Tampa, you give them lots of praise. Not only did they win the Super Bowl last year, but apparently they did it with Tom Brady having a torn ligament in his knee the entire year and you're like that's Tom Brady with an injury like what and I, I, I couldn't believe that when I found out so apparently Tom is more healthy than, healthy than he was last year plus remember last year Tampa had no training camp no real off season so this year they're going to have a year of and last year they were spending a lot of the year getting to know each other and working on gathering a rhythm and timing and stuff like that this year they can start from week one and just roll and I think have a really good year kind of like what I mean, I hate to make this comparison, but in 2007, the New England Patriots, Tom Brady's former team, had a fantastic year. They dominated everybody. This is a team that feels similar where, 
from week one on, they are just ready to go and just kick some butt. And I'm really excited to watch them play. So I have Tampa going 14 and three. Uh, I think they could actually go even better than that, have a better record. But I look at it realistically, even though they are a Super Bowl favorite, every team, even the best, have a slip up at some point or have a bad game. Uh, but if you look at Tampa's schedule, man, there's a lot of winnable games. Uh, now, week three, four, and five have some tough games. They play uh, week three, they play at the Rams in LA. Week four at New England, that's a really good football team with the Patriots. And then week five against Miami, that's a good defense, a young offense. And I mean, those three weeks back to back to back are some tough games to play. Um, But I think the game that I am most looking forward to and a game that everyone around the league and anyone that follows football looks at this game and circles it on the calendar and is really, really excited. I cannot wait to watch Tom Brady week four. Buccaneers at Patriots go back home to New England where he started his career and won multiple Super Bowls uh, to play his old team, to play his old coach, Bill Belichick. That is the matchup I cannot wait to see. Buccaneers at Patriots week four of the NFL season. Uh, but again, I want to repeat this. I, I think that the Buccaneers will go 14-3. and They are a team that should be a Super Bowl favorite, and they are one of the best teams in the entire NFL. All right, we are back. Hope you're doing well. Um, I hope you enjoyed my Buccaneers topic. Different shirt, but shouldn't matter. Really, really good. I want to shift now to New Orleans. Um, I am already convincing myself that I might be wrong. I have the New Orleans Saints going 8-9 and nine this year. Uh, their city is currently recovering from Hurricane Ida, and their team is currently recovering from everything they lost. Although the more I looked into it, uh, I was like, man, you know what? This I'm, I was talking myself off the ledge, and then I'm like, well, and then they made a trade for Bradley Roby. I'll break down all of that in just a moment. First of all, this team got decimated. They lost Hall of Fame quarterback Drew Brees. Uh, they lost defensive end Trey Hendrickson, wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders, tight end Jared Cook, corner Janoris Jenkins. They even lost some people from the front office and their coaching staff who left to get promotions. Like, do not mince words here. The New Orleans Saints lost a ton, and it cannot even properly be quantified because how do you how do you like handle the value of Drew Brees and assistant coaches and you know two receiving weapons and people getting pressure on the quarterback and the corner? So there are a lot of pieces now that have not been replaced by the New Orleans Saints, but it's not all bad. There's still a lot of good team to there's still a lot of good things about the New Orleans Saints to give praise to. First of all, their offensive line is really, really good. And this is what kind of gave me pause. I I picked them to go eight and nine, but I'm like, well, one of my philosophies, every time I talk about how to build a football team, I talk about how it's more important to build a good offensive line than it is to have skill players. Like, you know, you can draft Saquon Barkley for the Giants. You can draft a good receiver if you're the Cincinnati Bengals. But if your quarterback is getting sacked every play or your running back has no holes to run through, it doesn't matter how good your running back is or how good your receivers are. And not only do the Saints have a really good offensive line, they still have Alvin Kamara. They still have Michael Thomas, who Michael Thomas is going to miss at least the first five games. He's on the pup list, the physically unable to perform list. He's hurt recovering from an injury, but they're going to have Michael Thomas, who's a great receiver. Uh, they have a young receiver, Marquez Calloway, who I am expecting to have a fantastic breakout year. So despite the fact that I literally started the topic saying, well, they're trying to recover from what they lost. It's not all doom and gloom. They've got weapons. They've got the question is their quarterback. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. First of all, though, their defense. The Saints have some really, really good players on defense. I get excited. I'm like, I got I to slow down, calm it down. Uh, they've got two good defensive ends, Cameron Jordan and Marcus Davenport. Linebacker Demario Davis is a stud. 
Uh, linebacker Quan Alexander can play as well. The Saints have not one, not two, but three really good safeties. Malcolm Jenkins, Marcus Williams, plus C.J. Gardner-Webb, who's not a starter but gives them a lot of versatility coming off the bench. Uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson is a really good con- contributor as well. You know, th- these long names are hard to say, man. Uh, now, Marshawn Lattimore is a good corner. He's a former first-round pick. And then I was looking at the Saints roster going, man, the problem is they don't have a second corner. And the Saints must have realized that and said, yeah, yeah, clearly we have a problem. So they made a trade. Big news, like literally it just happened. They made a trade for Bradley Roby, a corner from Houston. And that will fill a massive hole on their roster. They finally have a second corner. He's going to miss week one because of a suspension. But, you know, look, once he's back, he will really solve what would have been a very, very big problem for this football team. That move, plus, you know, some me having some realizations about Jameis Winston, I went, well, you know, I might be, you know, cutting them a little bit short, actually, by saying they're going to go eight and nine. So not having Michael Thomas for a while is going to suck. Uh, missing Bradley Roby for week one will be hard, but, like, they'll recover. They'll be fine. Here is the real wild card for this season for the New Orleans Saints. Their starting quarterback, their you know, let me be clear, their new starting quarterback, Jameis Winston, is something that is either he's the dude is boomer bust. Like we don't know really how good he's going to be. And during my predictions, as I went through every week and I picked all the games, I played it safe. I had the Saints going eight and nine. And then I thought about it. Yeah, you know, I'd finished all my work. I literally sat down to record. And I went, you know what though? Jameis Winston has a really good offensive line. And I always have this philosophy. If you have a good offensive line, you have a chance. And he's got a good coach and a good defense. And I'm like, man, the more I think about it, the more I realize there is a chance here that New Orleans is very, very good. Everybody knows how talented Jameis Winston is. He's a former number one overall pick. He won the Heisman Trophy. He led the NFL in passing in 2019. Now, he has way, way, way too many interceptions. It's embarrassing, and he's kind of a meme for it. But while decision-making is a concern, I also go, well, they have a great coach. You would think Sean Payton, a guy who's a phenomenal head coach in the NFL, who kind of saved and resurrected Drew Brees' career at the lowest point. Why can't we say he'll do the same for Jameis Winston? And then you think about, what did the Saints really lose this year? Well, the Saints lost, you know, they, they still have a good defense, so they didn't lose anything there. They lost Emmanuel Sanders, an aging receiver. They lost a tight end, Jared Cook. Okay. They still have a great offensive line. They still have two good receivers. By, by week eight or nine, they're going to have Marquez Callaway and Michael Thomas. They'll be fine. So what they really lost was Drew Brees. Drew Brees retired. But here's the thing. Drew Brees was aging. Nobody can dispute it. Drew Brees could not stretch the field the way he once was able to. And frankly, he never could stretch the field and throw the ball vertically downfield the way that Jameis Winston is able to do. Jameis Winston has a massive arm. Talent and skill are not the same thing. Jameis is a monumentally more talented player than Drew Brees ever was. Drew Brees was never the guy who wowed you with his arm strength. He could zip the ball in pretty quick, but he was accurate and made great decisions. So it's very possible that because Drew Brees was getting older, was declining with his age, you could say maybe Drew Brees was actually potentially holding this offense back a little bit at the end of last year. So I am not betting on it, but there's potential that Jameis could 
actually make the Saints even better. I know you, it's crazy to say you lose a Hall of Fame quarterback, but that was not Drew Brees' prime. That was Drew Brees in his 40s, like really kind of starting to decline the end of his career. There's a reason why he retired. And so I predicted the Saints to go 8-9 and nine this year. And then I thought about it. And that's the danger, right? You go, hmm, let me reconsider. So there's a couple swing games that could really have an impact on how their season goes. Washington week five, Seattle week seven, Tennessee week 10. And if they win a couple of those games, maybe they win the final game of the year against, I believe, Atlanta. Eight and nine could very easily become an 11 and six record or even a 12 and five final record if Jameis Winston is really, really good. So I thought about it and I went, man, there's a chance here that they could be great. And the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, I, I might regret not believing in Jameis Winston. So I wanted to put that out there. Uh, I, I guess I, I have fear of missing out, right? I have fear of missing a chance. I, I guess it's my ego. I, I have fear of a chance to maybe miss out on looking good for predicting Jameis Winston to be great. So I guess this way I'm kind of playing both sides. I'm like, well, I, I, I'm cautiously optimistic. I don't know, man. I, I cannot wait to see what happens. I... The talent is there. There's a, a great offensive line. There's some good weapons uh, around Jameis Winston. Alvin Kamara's phenomenal, great receivers, a good defense. It is possible that Jameis Winston has an amazing year. And it'll be really fun to watch. They play his old team, Tampa Bay, week eight and week 15. And, like, what if Jameis beats Tampa Bay and says, I just needed help. I needed a good coach. You bailed on me. I don't think it's going to happen. They're not going to have any regrets. Tampa Bay moved on, got Tom Brady, won a Super Bowl. But how good would it feel for Jameis if he beat his old team? And look, week five at Washington should be a great game. You have the Saints have a phenomenal offensive line, and Washington has a great defensive line, strength on strength. And then the question becomes, which former Tampa quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick or Jameis Winston, does even better. And so I am cautiously optimistic about the New Orleans Saints. Uh, on the low end, they will go 8-9. and nine. Best case scenario, they win a couple swing games. Seattle, Tennessee, Washington. And they will go 11-6 and six or 12-5. and five, Maybe even make the playoffs. And in that case, we'll be eating a W. Jameis Winston does this crazy thing. Hey, he eats a W. I don't know where it came from. He's a madman. Like Jameis does stuff. I'm like, what the heck is going on? But I watched him eat a, eat a W on a video. And I'm like, well... It's kind of ironic because the W, does it stand for victory or does it stand for Jameis Winston? I don't think it's a gang sign. So I'm like, well, look, man, uh, I'm going to have fun with it. And I, I, Jameis Winston, man, might be fantastic this year. Keep your eye on that. Low end, they're 8-9. and nine. Best case scenario, New Orleans goes 11-6 and six or 12-5, and five, makes the playoffs. And I want to leave it open for both to happen. I have It's the only time in my predictions where I'm going to leave things open-ended and say, We'll see what happens. It feels like too big of a wild card. And like almost literally 31 of my 32 prediction videos on YouTube will say blank team will go this and just picking a side, stating a record. This is the only team ever in the history of my predictions where I'm not picking a final record. Cause I, I, I look eight, nine is what I landed on, but I thought about it and went, you know what? They might do better. Jameis Winston might blow people away. Okay, let's shift gears to Carolina. Let me drink some water first. Mouth is getting really... I've been talking for a while. This is a long episode. I, did, I, I thought this episode, thank goodness I didn't do the entire NFC. It would have been way too long. Uh, I'm too much of a talker. This will be short, though. I believe the Carolina Panthers will go 7-9 and nine this year. And that's 
better than last year. That's more wins, uh, fewer losses. It's the year of progress, right? And the Carolina Panthers are slowly rebuilding their football team. And I'm here for it, man. I believe in the rebuild. I'm all in. It just takes time. It's a great John Belling song. It just takes time. Like, I believe in what they're doing. I like their head coach, Matt Rule. I think their offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, is great. He's the guy who, I say it every time I talk about Joe Brady. Joe Brady is the guy who turned Joe Burrow into a Heisman Trophy number one overall pick when before he met Joe Brady, before he worked with Joe Brady, Joe Burrow, no offense, was nobody. Was a guy who couldn't win the starting job at Ohio State, was going to be a sixth or seventh round pick if drafted at all. And Joe Burrow didn't just become popular and a star. He got way better. So I look at Joe Brady, and clearly the dude is able to help young quarterbacks develop. A lot of the credit goes to Joe Burrow. I don't want to take any credit away from him. He worked his tail off, right? He has a legendary work ethic. I love what Joe Burrow did. But it also shows, hey, Joe Brady has a history of helping young quarterbacks develop. And that is why I was so excited when they traded for young quarterback Sam Darnold, the guy who spent three years in New York with the Jets getting pummeled into oblivion. This is now an opportunity in Carolina for Sam Darnold to save his career. And I, I said it, like, actually, go back. It's pretty weird. I predicted this. I literally predicted Sam Darnold to go to Carolina. I'm like, this is the team that fits best for him. And we get to see it. I, I cannot wait for it to happen. I believe Sam Darnold is going to prove himself and become their long-term franchise quarterback. Is he going to win an NFL MVP? I don't know. I had a person write in on Patreon about that. It depends on how hard he works. It depends on what's around him. But I do believe that Sam Darnold is their guy. He will be the franchise quarterback in Carolina, and he'll get better as the year goes on. You will see it by week 10 or 11. He'll go, yep, Sam Darnold is our guy. We're happy with him. Let's move on. That's my prediction, I guess, for the season. 7 and 10, we can stand by. But my prediction for Carolina really is that Sam Darnold, their young quarterback, is going to be the guy everyone at the end of the year feels confident in and happy that they have. So that, there will be no buyers or more. That is my prediction. I do not think they're going to have to work hard to replace Sam Darnold. In fact, I think every Carolina Panthers fan is going to go, yeah, we got the right guy. That's how they're going to feel. Despite a 7-10 and 10 season, they'll go, at least we got the quarterback right. We're rebuilding. Things feel good. We're headed in the right direction. I don't really have a lot of bad things to say about this football team. Uh, Thomas Fletcher is a former high school teammate of mine. He is their long snapper. They drafted him in the sixth round. That never happens. But I, I did a video about that. Like, it's crazy. I got a couple former teammates in the NFL. Like, literally, like, kind of spattered throughout the NFL. Samson Ibukam, Osaro Odegazua, Thomas Fletcher. Um, the reason why Carolina drafted Thomas Fletcher is because he's going to be a guy who they're never, ever going to have to worry about a snap ever again. I wasn't planning. I wasn't in my notes to talk about that, but I had to mention that. Um, now, I don't think that Carolina is good enough to make a playoff run. They're still young. They're still growing. But they're not so bad they're going to be awful. They're also not so good they're going to go 13-4, and four, win their division, nothing like that. Um, now, this is the best offensive line Sam Darnold has had during his entire NFL career. They have right tackle Taylor Moton. He signed a big extension. They added left guard Pat Elfline. I expect running back Christian McCaffrey to be back fully healthy, have – you know, kind of, you know, come right back to where he left off uh, before he got hurt last year. He's going to have a great year. They have three solid receivers, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, and rookie receiver Terrence Marshall Jr. Uh, tight end Dan Arnold is a guy who's really, really underrated. Dan Arnold uh, did some really good stuff in Arizona before he got to Carolina. He's a way better receiver than people realize. And uh, I am really excited to see how offensive coordinator Joe Brady 
uses Dan Arnold to get him in really good matchups against people who cannot hang with him physically. He's not Darren Waller. He's not Kyle Pitts, but certainly he's a really good receiving tight end. Uh, and the Panthers defense is slowly but surely getting better. They drafted young corner, a stud, J.C. Horn. He's fantastic. Uh, they also brought in corner A.J. Boya. He's suspended until week three. He could contribute after that. Uh, the other starting corner alongside J.C. Horn is Dante Jackson. He's entering year four. He's young. He's talented. Young talent is a common theme here in Carolina where you have defensive tackle Derek Brown, a former first-round pick. Defensive end Brian Burns. You have safety Jeremy Chin, a guy who was like literally second in defensive rookie of the year voting last year. And I'm also curious to see how young defensive end uh, Eter Grossmatos develops. He was a rookie last year. He is not a starter yet, but I have hope he could be eventually. They brought in pass rusher Hassan Redick. He's 26 years old. He's a former first-round pick. He actually played for Matt Rule at Temple in college, and uh, he's on a one-year prove-it deal. I think it's, he's making like $8.5 million. His goal here is to say, I'm going to be really good. I'm going I'm to earn another really good, long-term, big, massive contract. That's what Hassan Reddick is thinking. Uh, I'd love to see him do that. I want to see Hassan Reddick be great. I'm actually, like, if there was one team I had to pick in the NFL to be a fan of, it would be Carolina. I love their owner. I love their coach. love their quarterback. I like the story. I like what they're doing, the way they're building their team. I'm excited about Carolina, and I want them to have a successful future. Now, the defense is so young that, like, they have a linebacker, Shaq Thompson, who feels like he's an aging veteran. He's only 27 years old. Like, people don't realize how much young, talented players are, are how many young, play, talented players are filled with this roster. Like, they are, they're headed in a direction I'm really excited for. They're developing. And I think in time, probably starting next year, not this year, I have them going 7-9 this year. I think as these young guys develop and get better and they add a couple more pieces, wins are going to come. But the rebuild, in my opinion, for Carolina is going very, very well. And I've become, I'm not a Panthers fan. I'll never own a jersey, nothing like that. But, man, I, I'm a huge fan of the way they're building their football team and the people they've brought in, their values, and uh, I'm a big believer in the direction the Carolina Panthers are headed in. All right, uh, final one of the day. Let me drink some water. I'm going to pause, slow down. We are entering a new era for the Atlanta Falcons. They hired a new general manager, Terry Fontenot, from... The Saints front office, they hired a new head coach, Arthur Smith, who last year was the Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator. And judging Atlanta right now is hard for me because all I can do is go off the players they have. I don't actually know how good of a coach Arthur Smith is going to be. I have an open mind. I'm not going to I'm not going to say he's going to be great. I'm not going to say he's going to be bad. I just, I just don't know. And I, I, I might be wrong. These, these new coaches are hard to judge because I've never seen them really coach in action. So I have an open mind. Um... Time will tell if Arthur Smith is a good head coach. Now, the Falcons roster, though, is kind of caught between two places where half of this team is young guys who I think are the future of the Atlanta Falcons, and half of this team are guys who are aging and are only really there because Atlanta couldn't find anybody else. They had to fill out their roster. They wanted to make some progress and not be awful. So uh, of the young guys, the best one on the roster in Atlanta is Kyle Pitts, their tight end. He was drafted number four overall in the NFL draft, he is a matchup nightmare. Like, I, I, he's Darren Waller. He is Travis Kelsey. He is George Kittle. Like, he's a guy that people will not be able to guard in the NFL. Some people say that he is the most likely rookie of the 2021 NFL draft class. 
to eventually become a Hall of Famer. I don't feel comfortable saying that. I'm regurgitating. Other people said that. I'm not going to say that. He's a rookie. Let's give him some time. It's a bit early for me to say a rookie is, a, is in the running for the Hall of Fame. Uh, but what I can't deny is that Kyle Pitts is super, super talented. He is probably the best young football player on this team. And I cannot wait to watch Kyle Pitts play in Atlanta. Now, there are three former first-round picks on the offensive line. It's a young group, uh, but they have a lot of talent. And I think in time, very similar to actually the Minnesota Vikings, if given enough time to develop, the Atlanta Falcons could become a really good offensive line that where they shift from a bunch of young guys to a, a group that's got a lot of potential and is, in fact, really, really talented and become a strength. The same way that you see the New Orleans Saints right now. You look at the Saints offensive line and you're like, that's a great group. I think in time, that's what could happen in Atlanta. They are working on building it. But currently, though, they're just a bunch of young guys trying to get better. Now, I like the Falcons receivers. Calvin Ridley, he's become the new number one target. They have Russell Gage. He's, he's you know, really solid. Star receiver Julio Jones got traded to Tennessee. That's not great. Uh, the Falcons allowed Alex Mack, their former center, to walk away to San Francisco in free agency. Uh, I get why Atlanta let Alex Mack go. He's aging. They got what they could for Julio Jones in a trade. And uh, they also brought in running back Mike Davis from Carolina. He did a really good job filling in for Christian McCaffrey when McCaffrey got hurt last year in Carolina. Other than last year, though, Mike Davis is a journeyman, a guy who's been on a bunch of NFL teams, bounced around the league. I do not believe that Mike Davis is the long-term solution at running back for the Atlanta Falcons. I think he's a guy who's good enough for now, but I'm like, I'm not ready to like get married to Mike Davis as the guy, the future running back of the Atlanta Falcons. Like, I think they're going to draft another guy. Running backs are very cheap. You can draft guys in the second and third round who are have a really big impact on their football team very quickly. So uh, I like Mike Davis. He's fine. He'll be good for this year, but I don't know if he's a guy long-term. On defense, you have three new starters who were brought in to... I think the, the thought process is we're going to stabilize this defense uh, and hopefully they're secondary. They brought in two safeties, Eric Harris and Duran uh, Harmon. They brought in a corner, Fabian Moreau. And Fabian Moreau joins another young corner. They have A.J. Terrell, who was the first-round pick in 2020 for the Atlanta Falcons. Look, other than Kyle Pitts, though, this Atlanta roster didn't get much better. Like, you look at the Atlanta Falcons and you're like, well, they were terrible last year. And in order for them to be, go from a bad football team to a good football team, frankly, they needed a lot more than just a really good tight end. So I don't know how Atlanta wins a lot more games this year. I think they actually won four games last year. That's about as many as I picked them to win this year. Um, I just, man, I, Atlanta's rebuilding. And it's not going terribly. I think in a year or two, their offensive line is going to be dominant. They have young guys like A.J. Terrell, a young corner, a stud, Kyle Pitts at tight end. These guys are the future of the team. In Atlanta. But quarterback Matt Ryan finds himself in a really weird position where he's 36. He can't wait a couple years for Atlanta to rebuild. Like, if Atlanta's good three years from now, great. Matt Ryan's going to be thinking about retirement. So I don't think Matt Ryan has time to wait for them to get better. And I don't know that Atlanta wants to waste good years paying Matt Ryan a ton of money. I think Atlanta, this could be Matt Ryan's last year in Atlanta before they draft his replacement. They might keep him next year. If I were them, I'd try to trade him. and you know, Because you want a cheaper, younger quarterback who can allow you to pay other people and build the rest of your roster. Matt Ryan's fantastic. I have no doubt that Arthur Smith, the new head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, is like, 
oh, hallelujah, thank goodness we have Matt Ryan. Like, the last thing you want is to be a new head coach in the NFL and have a terrible quarterback situation. He's probably glad to have Matt Ryan. But when you look at the direction this team is headed in, they're young. They're rebuilding. I don't know that Matt Ryan is the long-term plan at quarterback for Atlanta. They're happy to have him this year. Uh, I frankly hope that Matt Ryan can get moved somewhere where he can win. Like, if we... Matt Ryan gets a bad rap, but if Matt Ryan were the head coach, or sorry, the head coach, <laughs> if Matt Ryan were the quarterback for the New England Patriots or the Miami Dolphins, we would be talking about how they are Super Bowl front runners. Like Matt Ryan's not a bad quarterback. He's in fact, in fact, very, very good. He just needs a good team around him. And the one time he did that, he led them to a Super Bowl. They lost, but he was had the lead by like twenty eight to three, literally. Uh, so, I believe the Falcons will go four and thirteen this year. Uh, they were bad last year. They did not do enough to fix their team. They are rebuilding. And I don't know that Matt Ryan is the long-term plan in Atlanta. It's going to be a rough year. They're rebuilding. But I, I don't know that that's necessarily terrible either. Like, they have a good young core of talented players. They've got a couple veterans that I think they're going to replace eventually. But, look, it's, it's a new era in Atlanta Falcons football, and that's definitely good. I mean, the Falcons' former culture was blowing leads, losing big games, and uh, I think it was time for Atlanta to make a change. They did, and I'm not entirely I'm, – I'm actually somewhat optimistic for the future of the Falcons, even if this year is going to be a really ugly, really bad year. All right, guys, my name is Zach Shomler. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Uh, this has been Strong Opinion Sports episode 377. Thank you so very much. Uh, we're at about a little over an hour, an hour and probably – by the time I reinsert uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers topic will be about an hour and 10 minutes. I love you. I appreciate you. I am working my butt off. There's going to be a ton of content in the next couple of days. I hope it doesn't overwhelm people. You'll be swimming in YouTube videos. You'll be swimming in podcasts. It's going to be like the audio feeds are going to be like podcast, 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 podcast. The YouTube channel will be like, blah, 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 blah. like you ever get too many notifications on your phone and you're just overwhelmed. I, I apologize in advance. That's how it's going to be. we got to get out every NFL prediction topic. I want to cover some of the current news. So I love you guys. I appreciate you. But um, bum, bam, we are done.